Hey, I'm excited to have you back for another episode of the MLM Exposed podcast. Don't let the title freak you out. We're not anti-MLM and these are not bash sessions. We are, however, pro-truth and pro-dialogue. And you deserve to hear it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you're new to our community, we drop a new podcast each week. Everyone here has a story to tell. Some may horrify you, some you'll relate to. But no matter what, the best lessons learned are through the experiences of others. And we think those stories are worth sharing. If this episode helps you, please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And even better, leave a review. Unless it's bad, then keep your opinions to yourself. JK, we love the truth here. Thank you again for being with us. At MLM Exposed, we believe firmly that when you know better, you do better. And we think this conversation is more relevant than ever. Okay, so why MLM Exposed? Here's why. So first off, I have fought this. I have fought this conversation um, for a long time. And I think partly because the phrase MLM exposed sounds like it's going to be something nasty. It's going to be something scary. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be volatile. And although I enjoy a little tea and we will um, talk about stuff that pisses us off and stuff that is wrong, um, the purpose of MLM exposed is not even to expose per se, but it is about the truth. And it is about the fact that when you know better, you do better. And we all should be doing better. Okay. Um, and so it's not who I am. And it's it's certainly not the brand that I, I want to be represented by for the rest of my life. In fact, whatever, right? There's a million different topics. I have like self-diagnosed ADD. And so when they tell you to start creating a brand or putting out content that matters to you or content that you learn, part of what I struggle with so bad is that I love learning all the things and I love growing in all kinds of ways. And I love just knowing things and I love being in the scoop. And so I hope that um, as we start this discussion, I hope you are willing to be flexible with me. I hope that you know, as this podcast grows, as this series grows, whatever we want to call it, um, I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you get something out of it. I hope that it becomes something that provides value to you. But I also hope that you maybe learn to love to learn. And and most everybody that listens to this are going to be people that are interested in maybe maybe hearing some tea, right? And hearing some drama, but also um, really want to know better and they really want to do better and um, maybe in all things. So this isn't going to be the conversation for forever. I just want to be very honest about that. I want to be very upfront about that. But I do think it is a necessary discussion. And I do think that in, you know, I'm recording this in July of 2022. I do think that we are open for business um, and the business is getting taken advantage of, if that makes any sense. I think that gas prices are really high. I think that food prices are really high. I think volatility is really high. I think stress is really high. And so what comes out of that is that people are going to be looking for solutions and they're not always going to be safe ones. I would almost make a bet that lottery ticket sales go up and not down, even through a recession, because people are going to be looking for anything. 
And so I think it is our job to discuss the truth so that more people make the right decisions. That's what I think. So so that's the premise for um, for MLM Exposed. And I also just want to say this. I'm not anti-MLM. So I spent the week, a couple of weeks ago, um, listening to some of what's happening here. Um, listening to the anti-MLM channels. And, you know, some of them are very interesting and they're very eye-opening. But for the most part, they're just talking shit. Okay, like, pardon my French. But for the most part, they're they're taking individuals and making fun of them. And they're doing it in a way that has some validity. Okay, so there's some, there's some valid pieces and parts to any person that goes anti-MLM, especially if you are somebody that does MLM. Or... Let's just broaden this a little bit. You do a home-based business. You sell insurance. You sell real estate. You you own a boutique. There is so much value to be had from listening to what gets under people's skin and what makes them feel icky and what makes them feel taken advantage of. As any business owner, know better, do better, right? But I just have to say, I'm not anti-MLM. I think there's some really um, valid awesome product out there. I think there are some really good people out there. And uh, I would prefer to support my friends and people that I know more than Procter & Gamble. So I am not anti, but I am pro-knowledge. And I have been there, done that. So let me give you my background. I, I, I didn't necessarily even know what this was going to be, but it sounds like this is going to be the first episode of what we call MLM Exposed. Uh, and, and I think our tagline is going to be, it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, it, we're not anti-MLM, but we are here to teach. And from what I can find, we're actually the only people out here talking about this subject without truly an agenda of kind of some hate, right? And, and or we're not out going to coach you and charge you $500 to get in our coaching class class that teaches you how to do better. I don't know, whatever, right? So this is just a discussion and this is just not worth That's literally what you can expect from me um, and from listening to this podcast. If somebody ever wants to pay me to do ads, they will totally do that. Okay. So anyways, um, I'm Aaron and I spent, gosh, many years in MLM and here's why. So I came, my background was, well, let's go even deeper. So I went to college. Um, I was your, you know, typical um, Midwest little chick that um, had some trauma in high school and I ran away to college as fast as I could. I went to a little former uh, Baptist college that considered themselves like rebels and it was called William Jewell College and I, I went and got a fine arts, liberal arts degree. Um, communication and Spanish were my majors and I had an emphasis of nonprofit leadership thinking that I was going to go save the world. So if there are any little girls or little boys out there that have always had a heart to serve or have always felt like deep into their soul, they wanted to do something big, well, me too. And um, I learned a ton in college and had big plans in place. And then I actually got an offer from a huge company in Kansas City called Server. And they basically came to our campus and recruited us. And this is something that I don't tell everybody and I feel bad because because maybe my ex-boyfriend will listen to this podcast, probably not. But like he did go to LA and make a comedy show and it was titled What I Learned from the Girl Who Dumped Me. Random side note, but I never want to watch that comedy show. I'm sure I look like a complete ass biscuit um, on that show. But anyways, I accepted a job with Cerner 
um, because that boyfriend was getting ready to move to Florida for a job and he wanted me to move with him. So instead of going and chasing my dreams of saving the world and raising money for homeless kids and, you know, doing grassroots work that was my passion, I accepted a big wig corporate America job because they paid well and they were going to give me a reason to not move to Florida. Okay, so that's how I make decisions. As you can tell, this is how this show is going to go. Random ass decisions that have led to where I am today. Okay, I don't make good decisions. In fact, I also always make very emotional decisions. If you give me too much time to think about something, I'm never going to do it. And I always have buyer's remorse. And most of the time it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay. Um. Anyway, so I got that job and I spent maybe a year or two at that company. Can't even remember. And it's a great company and I have to, I have no complaints about it. Um, maybe a few, but I read a book. I actually was introduced to the CEO's daughter who ran their, um, their nonprofit organization that they had. And I sat at lunch with her and she recommended a book called Mountains Beyond Mountains. And I read that book and I literally quit my job the next day. Now they, they, held on to me for like six months. I'm like, I didn't know this was going to be my life history, but it, it pertains to MLM. Okay. Um, that book was about a doctor that um, basically eradicated tuberculosis in Haiti. And he just did all this missions work. It was about doctors that traveled the world um, and save babies. And I quit my job the next day because I was like, well, it's time to go be a doctor or a nurse or some version of a cl clinician that is going to go travel the world. I also never thought I would get married. Um, I pictured myself being a mom, but I didn't really know what that was going to look like. And I just thought I will just go be a doctor. Well, fast forward and I couldn't even function. I was like a straight A student. I'd never had a B in my life except for third grade math and sophomore composition class, right? Um, which is crazy because I'm a writer and I have like a 35 on my ACT in reading, but neither here nor there. I think he did it to put me in my place because I was a cocky little 16 year old, but um, I failed out. I completely bombed out. I could not even learn the formation of a cell. I could not do basic chemistry. I could not do basic biology. And I was an early 20s corporate America woman sitting in this room with 17-year-old smelly boys who were acing things and I was barely passing. And then I met my dream man um, who whisked me off my feet. Not really, but um, he wouldn't stop texting me. Uh, and then I finally went on a date with him and decided on that date that I was going to marry him and have his babies. And I bombed out of UMKC. I would be on academic probation today. Um, and from there, started back into kind of corporate America. I worked for a hospital um, in Alabama. I did consulting there. So I was on a plane every single week. And then I, I kind of randomly got a job at a staffing company in Kansas City. And so we were going to do big implementations um, of electronic medical record and big girl job. Um, and again, so fast forward and I found myself looking at my life. So fast forward and I had married that man. I had had his baby. I had a brand new, I would call her brand new, but at this point in time, she was maybe nine months to a year old. She never slept no longer than 45 minutes at a time. My husband happened to work nights. He was a police officer. So he was working what's called a dog watch shift. And I was feeding the baby every 45 minutes and hate mailing him um, all night long and then going to this job that was a fabulous job and I and that company has kind of disintegrated but I worked with some really fabulous people and I would have done extraordinarily well in that role except for I'm not very good at being managed I don't like being told what to do I'm not that coachable if I don't like you right and um, 
here I am. If you're not watching this on video, I made some dumb face just now, but um, I was either going to be really successful there or I was going to be a big fat flop failure. And another thing um, was that I had this baby that never slept. And so I walked into the office like a total zombie and I was miserable and I was sad and it kind of made me want to cry. But And my husband was working nights and they say that 75% of police marriages fail. And we were directly on our way to being a statistic. And I just remember thinking, actually, there were two meetings that I had. One was with the HR director who sat me down and said that I, my daughter had really bad ear infections. And that HR director sat me down and said, you're going to have to figure out those ear infections and it's going to be up to you. And I was like, well, my husband has no flexibility. I mean, the police department gives no leeway. They give no shit. Really, my husband didn't either because his job was his like number, you know, negative four priority like he was like a police officer first um he's no longer that he has like completely gone into all these different roles and decided that being a dad was his his most cherished job but at the time we were young we were babies um and she said you're gonna have to figure out those ear infections and i just remember thinking like wow this little girl inside of me that wanted to change the world is sitting in this office and she is miserable and she is sad and she is trapped and now I have this other little person that's depending on me and I'm teaching her how to be sad and trapped and miserable and oh my God, what am I doing? So then um, my final straw, and I guess this is a lesson to be learned, but my final straw was I got called into my first review in that office and, you know, I'd been there two years, probably was, you know, I, I mean, I'm not being cocky or anything, but we were killing it. Okay. We were, we were doing very well. The healthcare IT space was booming. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was totally faking it to make it. But our our portion of my business was was doing well. Um, but I had gotten in a tiff with my manager on a Friday. And she pulled me into a review on Monday. And the three subjects that were the negative pieces of my review, one was that I was vocal about my dislike of our management team, which like, I mean, I got to give her. I was not really, I was like, not that impressed with Jackie, okay, um, and and I I probably shouldn't be as vocal as I am, but that's why I needed to go out and work for myself. Number two was that I needed better contract negotiation skills, which is what our fight had been about on Friday. And number three was that I needed to do more with my hair and more, and I needed to wear more makeup. And I I will never forget it because she said, "Aaron, I because I, I started crying immediately. I was completely blown away that this was." In, in a highly professional job, this was what we were going to talk about, right? We weren't going to talk about numbers. We weren't going to talk about client relations or communication skills or accountability or scheduling. We were talking about my makeup and we were talking about my hair. And she was correct. I mean, I was a walking zombie. I was barely surviving. And I'm not all that extra anyway, so I can look fancy and I I could, I try. Like today, I, didn't, I mean, I kind of tried, right? But um but at the end of the day, I, I just, I will never forget staring across from her. She actually had a magazine article for me that um, was, she had cut out and wanted me to read. And it was all about women in the workplace. But but I don't even think she read the article because it was all about women being too flashy and wearing too much sparkle and doing too much um, to show whatever, right? And um, Anyway, long story short, I knew my time had come. And and I also, let me just keep going because I, I clearly this is like my therapy session. And um, I told my little team that's helping me create these videos that I don't like talking to myself, but clearly I do. So here I am. Um, 
But I told her that I was in healthcare. So my role was staffing out in healthcare facilities. And my job was working with nurses and with CIOs and with um, professionals, but in a healthcare setting. I was also 24 years old or 25 years old, young female. And so really, honestly, part of my mojo was to be very plain and was to be very understated because what I couldn't do is walk into a space with a former nurse of 30 years who's now a director of nursing. Um, I can't be some 25-year-old flouncy woman who's going to try to walk into a hospital and negotiate with those people. I, I it, Anyways, it's neither here nor there, but um, I knew my time had come. And I quit very soon after. I don't even remember the details. I also wore jeans and a... And a like, you know, usually in a sales role, they fire you right away. So when you put in your two weeks, uh, they don't want you to have any of, of your client knowledge. They don't want you to have your spreadsheets. They don't want you to have anything. But really, I was in a practice that they didn't understand at all. And so they kept me for the full two weeks, um, which I then proceeded to take advantage of and wore jeans and a baseball cap as a true um, up your rear end uh, move. That was a great move. I would have, it's a, the, Greatest advice I have for you today, if you want to get a um, a, rep, a letter of recommendation from your boss, is to leave the office with your middle finger up. It's an excellent idea. Definitely. No, that's a terrible idea. But I did that. And so um burnt my way right out of there. They did not have a, the buy lunch for me, and I do not blame them. But I knew at that point in time that that little girl knew she was destined for great things was folding. I had been folding for so long and I had been bending and I had been making decisions that were short term and that that didn't align with my soul and they didn't align with my purpose and they weren't challenging me and they were all they were doing was making me money and they were creating a career that I thought was reputable and that put me in fancy suits and that you know put me on planes and uh, paid me big paychecks what that I'm in a building by myself and I think the air conditioning just kicked on or it's a ghost um if you don't believe in ghosts I actually own a haunted house that would be a story for a different day um but I knew that I was never going to be fulfilled and I also knew that in order to save my marriage and and live this life with a man that I also knew in my gut I knew we were supposed to be together you know, we got married so fast and we were we were total babies and we were so mean to each other. We did the dumbest stuff ever. But I've known in my soul since day one of meeting him that he was for me and I was for him. But we had to figure our shit out. And for me, if I wasn't aligning with my purpose, then how am I going to be a good wife? How am I going to do that if I'm sitting around settling? How are we supposed to, you know, be joyful and um, live vibrantly if we're making decisions that continue to stifle what we were supposed to be. Does that make sense? It's not, I don't think that everybody needs to be a doctor. I don't think that everybody needs to go save babies. I don't think that we all need to like, you know, save the world. But I do think we're all meant for, we're, we're put on this planet for a reason. And when we know we're not living according to that reason, things are going to go wonky. And so that's where I found myself. Um, but I was also very vulnerable at that time. I had to, I, I, um, accepted a job really quickly with some kind of dude um, from, I think he was from Nebraska. But anyways, that was a, I, I accepted a job quickly. Uh-oh. And then I, um, and then I coincidentally 
this is where the MLM portion comes in. Do you see why even the conversation of MLM exposed is not really going to be about MLM? It's going to be therapy time. It's going to be life lesson time. And we are going to talk about MLM, but this is how I got introduced to it. Um, I had an event for a friend who had breast cancer and we raised like $5,000 or something like that. And at that event, there was a little mama that sold her wraps. She had these bonding wraps. And I hope this is okay. I, I've gone back and forth on being very like, you know, autonomous. Is that the word? Anonymous? Autonomous. I'm doing air quotes right now, but I can't think of the word. But, you know, not naming names, not naming companies. Sometimes I think that during some of the interview processes, especially, um, we certainly won't name any people's names, okay? But I do think it's valuable to just tell the truth. I think that it's silly to just kind of constantly talk in code. So just know that sometimes I'm going to name names and sometimes I'm not, and I will try my very hardest to be very respectful. But anyway, she sold wraps. They were the body wraps, the tight and tone and firm. And I felt sorry for her. I, I really, um, I was like, oh, that's cute. Like I had done, I had tried this company called Beauty Control in college. Um, and the only reason I tried beauty control actually was because I went to a friend's party and she did the whole little, this lady did this whole little spiel. But at the end, she had one of those, um, she had one of those head massagers and the head massage was like the best thing I never had in my whole life. And I was like, I would pay $300 to buy a bunch of stuff if I only get that head massager. And if I can do parties where we get our head massaged with this massager, like I'm so here for it. I was in college, I was just like down to make a buck. I worked at the library. I worked at the country club. I worked at the March of Dimes. I was a mystery shopper. Okay. Like I was down to be able to buy some food. Okay. Like I was eating not ramen, but I was eating like refried beans and burrito shells. Okay. So anyways, I had done something like that in the past. And I just looked at this little mama at this event, like, oh, she's so cute. Look at her selling her little wraps. And I had told her in my corporate America, look at me in my fancy suit, although my boss was telling me I looked like a homeless lady. I said, listen, lady, if you want me to ever host a party for you, um, I totally would. Okay. Told her that at the event, never spoke to her again. She did not follow up with me though, which is actually a lesson um, to be learned, right? You People don't just want to go buy stuff. Sometimes it takes seven to 10 times of somebody even seeing something before they're going to actually follow through on the purchase. That might be a house, that might be a bar, or that might be a, you know, lipstick. Okay. Um, anyways, she didn't follow up with me, but she got really lucky because a couple of months later, I saw her posting about uh, parties. And I was like, oh, I forgot to do that. I'll message her. And I was like, hey, before we go on vacation, I'll host a party for you. And so I had a couple friends over, I got my little snacks, I begged a couple people to just give it the benefit of the doubt. And she came to my house and she did this party. Meanwhile, I um, had, I don't know if I had quit yet or not. I don't, I think I'm going to mess up the history here. But at some point in time during this whole ordeal, I got told that I needed to wear more makeup and do more with my hair. I think it was like right, it was like right in the thick of it. So this little mama shows up and she's in jeans, yay. Um, she's in a little lime green shirt and she's just in like some tennis shoes and she brings her little suitcase in my house. He does her little spiel. And at the end of it, she talks about an income opportunity and she's the income opportunity, blah, 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 blah. I'm always down to make a buck. But at the end of it, she said, you know, I make $6,000 a month. I'm an average. They, the, the ranks in that company were like diamond and rubies and blah, blah, blah. And she was a double diamond. And the average income, because they have to say that. I don't. I don't think she actually told me her income. I should have asked for the proof of the pudding, I guess. But she said the average income of a double diamond is six thousand dollars a month. 
And the beautiful thing is, is that I make my own schedule and I do my own thing. And I'm doing this party tonight, but tomorrow morning I will make bacon and eggs for my kids before they go to school. And I, I don't think I was emotional that night, but I remember thinking, what the am I doing driving 45 minutes each way to work for this woman who shows up at 1030 and tells me I need to get my daughter's ear infections together and tells me that I need to wear more makeup and do more with my hair. I am meant to do something more and that chick's making $6,000 a month. And remember, I had married a police officer and I was the breadwinner. So there was no part of me that was ready to step out of that role. So yeah, I'm, you know, I get all, you know, I try to try to be the martyr here and talking about my life's purpose, but I also am not ashamed to say that I wanted to make an aggressive income. Um, I wanted to, you know, be able to afford a lifestyle and I'm not a fancy person. You will, you know, soon if you listen to this podcast or if you ever meet me in person, I still look like a homeless bag lady 99% of the time, but I don't like to be stressed about money. I don't like to have debt. I don't like to feel, I don't like that to be a portion of what I can worry about. My anxiety is 40 out of 10, okay? I worry about everything. I worry about, like, I worry about in the middle of the night how tall Jesus was. I don't need, I don't want to live a life worrying about money. And so, so that's what got me into MLM was a little party with a mama and a green shirt and a green suitcase who was making an average of $6,000 a month. And I wanted to make damn bacon and eggs for my kids. That's what got me into it. And so the beginning of MLM Exposed, I'll shut up here. Um, I think I've been on here for a while. I spent four-ish years at that company. We left in 2016. That's a that's a story for another day. Um, it was dramatic. It was wild. It were, you know, not anything that we had ever pictured. I never thought I would leave. I didn't know anything about MLM, actually. It was a podcast that actually educated me that it was an actual industry of things. Um, but we left that company in 2016. We joined another company and were there like a you know in the scheme of life we were there for like a blink of an eye but we were maybe there for five six months and the reason that we left our original company was because we we felt like we were not aligning with the way that things were going there were some decisions being made that we did not agree with there were some um the way that that it was on social media there were a million reasons and we'll go into that on these episodes but then when we went to the next company we were like wait Ooh, this isn't better. There's not the same kind of junk, but different junk. We went from what we felt like was one junk, and I'm not saying that it was, but from my perspective, we went from one bad apple to another in a totally different capacity. Um, while we were at the next company, it was called Narium. They got raided by another company called Modere. So Modere paid like 250 of their top leaders. They brought them out on a bus. They toured their corporate office and paid a bazillion of them to move. And it was, oh my God, it was literally the same people that told us that Miriam was awesome. Three months later, were telling us that it was literally, it was like on fire. Everything about it was bad. You need to come to this company. And we just found ourselves like, oh my gosh. And I will tell you that fast forward um, five years and I had quit that corporate America job. I had quit the second job. I my husband, we had moved across the state and he had quit the police department. We were a super happy family. We had found so much balance and things were so much better. But let me tell you about going all in on any business, not just MLM, 
But if you're going to go open a laundromat, if you're going to go open a real estate office or an insurance office, when you're all in on one thing, it can be, talking about stress, it can be big stress. And when you're in on something that isn't sustainable or maybe isn't as real as you thought it would be, it can ruin families. And so, okay, so we left that company. We went to another one. Whoa, that was bad. Then we went to another company um, that sold wine. And we thought that was really fun. Um, we basically already drank too much wine and we enjoyed that. And my husband thought he could be a part of that. And that was a brand new ground floor opportunity. Um, it was what we thought was a sexy product. It was fun. It was laid back. Everything about it sounded amazing, um, which should have been the first red flag. And we failed miserably there too. We had some really successful months and some really wildly unsuccessful months. And the worst of it all, I think, during my time in that realm, and um, let me just say this too, and I have to be so careful about my words, but I I still do home-based business. Um, we are now in real estate. We own, I don't know, something like 12 properties. We've got some Airbnbs. We're remodeling what will maybe be a wedding venue. We've, I'm in a building right now. So this is um, a podcast room. Kind of weird to have your podcast room before you have your podcast, but I do everything a little bit wonky, right? I don't like being told what to do. I don't like the holy processes. So here we are. Um, so I'm still in business and I still teach people and I still coach people and I still sell products and I still do all of that. So just know that I am not anti and I am here to buy people's stuff and I'm here to grow and learn and et cetera. But that, I need to go get the calculator. Like seven years spent was some of the most painful years of my life. It was some of the most draining years of my life. And it was the, some of the time spent in that space is time that I am the least proud of, if that makes sense. We learned a ton. We grew a ton. We made a lot of mistakes. And some of those mistakes I'm proud of because we came over the other end. And some of them I'm not proud of. There are people along the way that got hurt. And I didn't know I was hurting them. Um, but when you ask somebody to spend $500 on a kit and they can't afford $500 and they put that kit on a credit card and you know that they might not be able to make any of that back, but you get paid to sell kits, who gets hurt there? Not me. Because I get my commission. It's every single person that I set up for failure. So so that is the birth of MLM Exposed is the fact that um, it started with my mentor. So her name is Maitra and I will have her on as a guest um, because she joined me in this. But it it's and and really, I mean, I'll have a whole episode on Major because there's some really weird stuff that drew me to her that I truly think is like, I don't know, whatever you believe, whether it's like the Holy Spirit or your gut instinct, like Major was a part of that plan a thousand percent. But my mentor and I started this and basically um, we just popped on Facebook Live right now at this very moment. I'm kicked off of Facebook, so I can't go live, which is um partly because I, I threatened to talk about MLM Exposed because there's some really shysty stuff going on and all the people in that company ganged up and turned my profile in for child porn, okay? So hopefully I don't get flagged for even saying that out loud, but I have my entire account shut down. And, you know, it made me want to fold and just go back to being vanilla and talking about my cats and talking about my dogs and my husband and whatever. Um, but I actually think it's a bigger sign that the conversation really is necessary. And do I have time for it? Probably not, but I'm going to talk about it. And so if you were patient enough to listen to this podcast, uh, 
that was the origins of it. Major and I in 2000, it would have been 2016, 2017. Um, we just started clicking the live button and every Sunday night we would drink way too much wine and we would make fun of ourselves and we would talk about all of the pieces and parts of MLM as an industry um, that sucked and that are wrong and that hurt people and that are done incorrectly. And we would talk about what we did wrong and what we did incorrectly and what we did to hurt people and how to get better, right? So we made fun of ourselves. Sometimes we made fun of people very quietly. I mean, it wasn't like me, we're not to bully people, but we definitely called some stuff out that is yucky and that is seemingly accepted. And um, and then we tried to give solutions as to maybe how to do it different. And so um, I don't know what MLM exposed to look like now. I don't have a partner in crime anymore. Um, like I said, I'm gonna try to get her on this podcast. But I do have a lot of people. I've made a huge network over the past five, six, seven, eight years. Um, and a lot of people that have a lot of different stories. Some people who had wild success in MLM and are are still in it. Some people who are um, former leaders who have moved on and have boutiques or um, are back in corporate America or are back to being attorneys or they've moved on from that phase and they're doing something else. And some that got wildly burned and that are going to have some painful stories. And I think their stories need to be told. They need to be tailed. Um, they need to be told. And I think that we will find value out of them. And, and you know, um, yeah, I think that, that we will find value out of them. When you know better, you do better. And I don't think that this podcast will be only for people in MLM or only people who are anti-MLM or only people that... Um, I think that it will be for a lot of people. I think that, um, anybody who is looking for their purpose, looking for their alignment might get some nuggets. I think that people who do any kind of business, um, that may need to be reminded how not to be icky about their business. Anybody that runs anything online, anybody that's doing social media, any of the influencers, um, and maybe just anybody that likes to listen to um, good people tell their stories. So anyways, that's that. I'm Aaron. That is the reason for MLM Exposed. Um, I'm excited to talk details. I'm excited to talk compensation. I'm excited to talk social media behavior. I'm excited to talk red flags and what to look for. Um, I'm excited to talk about best practices and hopefully I can teach you something. I've certainly been around the block. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've had a lot of success and I hope that you will um, listen and share it with your friends and share it with people that might find value. So, okay, that's it guys. Thank you for watching and stay tuned for the official episode one.